With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Football fans, welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast, the home of P6 football at SB Nation's Underdog Dynasty. And this is another round of Joe Talk. And it's me, Joe Serpico. Find me on Twitter at Joe Serp. And on the other side of the mic, at Joe Broback. What's good, man? Figure How I saved myself, saved myself. Uh, <laughs> it's the same. Right. <laughs> his name is his handle. That's all you need to know. Yeah, just just get that out of it. It's at Joe Broback. I just keep it simple for people. You know, yeah. they don't have to worry about all these different names. I mean, you shorten yours, so that's at least helpful. But, you know, I don't have to go with different names and people have to look up different things. Like, just look at my name and then you'll find me. Yep, simple as that. All right, so let's uh, let's dive into what happened in week 12 did i get that right week 12 we're on week yeah. 13 this week yeah so we're gonna wrap we're gonna wrap up week 12 real quick and i guess we will uh i guess we'll get it started with my alma mater since they were the first game of the day on saturday a 29 21 win over Tulane. keep their championship hopes alive uh, we'll talk about what's ahead for them in a couple minutes but the thing that impressed me about Temple is this game, and I don't know, maybe if you feel the same about it, but these past two weeks, what we have seen from Quincy Roche is seriously making me consider that he might be the front runner at this point to be the AAC player of the year. Mm. In a defense. That doesn't play defense. <laughs> yes. Well, yes. But so this past week, 12 tackles, six tackles for loss, which is an AAC and Temple record. Three sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. In the last two weeks, nine and a half tackles for loss and six and a half sacks. That's pretty good. Yeah, I would say that's pretty good. I mean, some guys don't even do that in an entire season. This guy's done all that in two weeks. You agree or disagree with that statement, sir? Well, I'm trying to think of who else I would put in that conversation. And I don't know if I have a name. Like, no one... There are good players on Memphis, but I don't I don't think any of them have what it takes to be player of the year. Then you look at I'm just looking at top teams. Cincinnati the last three weeks hasn't really impressed me, so mm-hmm. uh, who else? SMU, I mm. No, with the way their defense playing lately? No. I mean I, I don't have a if if I did have a disagreement it wouldn't it would it wouldn't be like a strong disagreement i think the only other two that at least came to my head was uh nate evans and richie grant 
Now, I don't even know what they're doing statistically, but like just from the little bit I've seen from UCF, I always seem to see those two flying around the ball. Yeah. So I think you know, maybe it's those three. And then even Cincinnati, I'm not going to act like I'm paying attention to defense numbers for Cincinnati, but they've got, I mean, they've got some guys on that side of the ball. Yeah. But like I said, with what Shea's been doing these past two weeks, it's hard to argue against that. Because I don't think anybody in the conference has had a two weeks like he's had. Oh, definitely not. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> You know, Ed Oliver leaves, and there's not really a front runner that we can pick from. And mm-hmm. now, now we're kind of, yeah. And there's really nobody on the other one. I just bought that Patrick Johnson from Tulane. I think he was a preseason favorite, but he's I mean, just is he having a good year this year. I feel like he's not putting up the same numbers as he did last year. That's the other thing is like I watch I saw these him guys, cov- but I don't. I saw him in coverage quite a bit this past week, which kind of threw me off a little bit. I mean, Temple was taking advantage of that. Yeah, there was a couple uh, times out of coverage, and I was like, "What, Patrick Johnson? He's not supposed to be out there." Yeah, I, he's not having like a he's not having a great year statistically, but that doesn't always especially on defense. Like, I mean, we talked about it with Oliver for three years, right? And a lot of his, you know, a lot of his great plays were from just not necessarily making the play, but influencing the play. So that's another thing is on defense, you can't really get too much into it. Because of that you could, I guess you could throw like Patrick Nelson from SMU, but yeah, there's not really one guy that you're like, yep, for sure, give it to him. There's a couple options, but I'm not gonna argue with with your selection. And then on the other side of the ball, Jaden Blue, this guy came out of nowhere. He was uh, off the team last year, you know, with the new coaching staff, you know, basically a clean slate for everybody. The guy is making – I mean, he's another guy that is in Temple's history books. Uh, first Temple player with consecutive weeks with 10 or more receptions. Third time this year he's done it, which is also a Temple record. Uh, he's rewriting the history books. And, and there's a good possibility by the end of the season that he might have the single-season record. Man, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. And Temple – I mean, Temple hasn't had – Bonafide stars at wide receiver. I won't say that, but they've had some guys had some make it to the dudes. next. That's what I mean. They've had some guys make it to the next level. Yeah. But what Jaden Blue is doing right now is it's it's different. And he's yeah. a he's yeah. a local guy from where I, he's a, a Baltimore area guy as well. Which I recently found out. He actually he went to uh, the same high school as my buddy Kyle that you know. They went to the same high school. Dang. All right. Yep. So, yeah, Jaden Blue tearing it up for the house. Well, and Temple's keeping their their, uh, division hopes alive right now. Granted, they do need some help, but they put themselves in good position to still keep things going. Well, like I said before, this week against Cincy is obviously the must win. You you lose this one, it's over. Cincinnati clinches with a with a win, yeah. So they can the game next week against Memphis could technically mean nothing. Now it means something in the fight for um, play a home game in the conference championship game. And I guess I guess we'll just dive into this part right now too. But with Memphis jumping them in these latest college football playoff rankings, you know they're going to need to beat that Memphis team at the end of the year if they want to have that shot at a New Year's Six Bowl. 
right? So would it be – so Cincinnati would have the home field advantage because they haven't lost a – is it by conference record, right? Yes. So they haven't lost a game. So if they lose to Memphis, they would be at Memphis. Well, if they lose to Temple and they lose to Memphis, Temple's it. Oh, well, well, are they, though? Yes. Wow. I already looked up. I looked up the tiebreakers. Don't give. Uh, they are. Don't no, ask me what the crazy. I need. I need to know because UCF's tied with them then too. Yes, I know that. But Temple gets the tiebreaker. Because why? I need don't to know I, this. I don't. I read it I'm, on the on the internet. Well, you from sh- credible sources. Credible, like what? Who? Okay, now I need to know. We're looking this up because uh, they've all beaten each other. So mm-hmm. then, what's it? So it's head to head. So we have three teams tied. And then and, record in games played within division, they'd all they'd have the same record. Record against next highest placed team in the division, USF. They would have all beaten USF. And then the next team, ECU, they would all been. I don't understand. How would yeah. Temple be in? Hold up, they I are. Need, I need I need to know this because I looked at this earlier and I was like, I just really hope Cincinnati wins so we don't have to figure this out. Is this it right here? Common okay. non-divisional yeah. opponents. Here we go. Got to check the Inquirer's website here. All right. So if Temple wins and then beats UConn, done. Cincinnati loses against the teams would be tied. In this yep. scenario, Temple would win a two-way tiebreaker because of its victory over the Bearcats. So basically, I think it's because Cincinnati beats UCF, and we beat Cincinnati? I'm a, maybe that's what U- it is? UCF beat Temple. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. If UCF makes it a three-way tie, the highest-ranked team in the college football playoff poll apparently would get the nod. A win over Cincinnati would vault Temple into the rankings. And then, yeah, so then it goes based on rankings. Uh, that's interesting, actually. So what if none of them are ranked? Well, since uh, that's a good question. Because they'd have, I mean, I just, well, they didn't get any votes. So I guess it just, that's what I don't know is, like, if Cincinnati loses twice, they're because they're 19th right now or 20th. Yeah, they, they would be out, obviously. They'd be out. And so I don't think that's enough to put Temple in at 25th. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to get interesting. Maybe somehow UC, you know, UCF gets ranked. We would have to – well, that's the thing. We can't even look at, say, the AP or the coach's poll to see who's receiving votes. It doesn't go by that. Right. It goes by the college football playoff. Huh. Well, Cincinnati should just win, and then we don't have to worry about it. Speak for yourself. No, I will. My owls will be there. I'm ready for another conference championship game. There you go. Not that the other side is all, you know, it's clear as mud over there. Now, nah, well, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to that in a second because actually, we'll just start here. One of those teams that was in the hunt. Granted, it's not a conference game, but they took another loss in the record, and it was a pretty emphatic loss, and that's the Navy's twenty. To 52 loss at Notre Dame. At one point, Notre Dame was winning this game 45-3. to Perry got benched at one point. He lost three fumbles. Um, funny story is Malcolm Perry got benched for Perry Olsen, a freshman quarterback. 
Well, a whole lot of Perry's on that team, I guess. But I, I you know, there's there's not much you can say about a Navy in this game. Like I said, forty five to three, they did absolutely nothing. I mean, even Perry, the Perry, Perry that we're used to seeing wasn't even there. There twenty five carries for one hundred and seventeen yards. I guess that's you know that's solid. I guess, but that's not what you expect from Perry if if they're gonna be competitive in any games. Well, yeah, it's 38-3 to at halftime. Chase Claypool had a monster game for Notre Dame. Four touchdowns. The first three touchdowns grabs he had, too. It was absurd. Yeah, it's just... I, you and I were both expecting Navy to at least keep this one close early, in the first half, at least, and that was obviously not the case. Now, I'm not sure... If, I don't have it in front of me, but it, it seems like just, Notre Dame just blitzed them right... You know, not on defensive but just like went after them hard and the navy at that point they, they had no shot because we know they have no passing game to get themselves back in a game like this and yeah. it seems like Notre dame you know usually you never know how it's going to go against these triple option teams but it seems like Notre dame just completely shut it down i mean we yeah. know on both sides of the ball they are way more talented right but i think we were expecting more from navy this year especially if you know, since they've been kind of a surprise, and now we realize that oh, they're triple option, they can actually run it well, and they actually have a little bit of a passing game. And they just <laughs> laid an egg in the first half, and it was pretty much over after that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, well, there's still a lot of discussion for the West, but let, let's talk about the team that is the front runner for the West, and that is Memphis. They got a 45-27 win over Houston. Um, slow start for the Tigers. Trail out 17 to 7 to start the second, and then went on an absurd run in the next two quarters. Outscored the Cougars 35 to 3. Brady White, five more touchdowns. The Tigers outgained Houston 531 to 256. I mean, it, it was close at first, and then it got ugly quick. Yeah, it was. Uh... Houston's O line is so bad. Not that Clayton Toon is anything like special, like Derek King, but whoa, he had yeah. that one. He had that one touchdown run. He looked like Derek King for a I second. I know he did. He looked really good, but the, the, I don't. know. It's just it, once King and Corbin went out, you knew they were just kind of looking towards twenty twenty. And now that they're not going to make a bowl game, there's really no pressure to win football games. There's more just trying to figure out who's going to be playing for them and who's going to be a depth piece and whatnot. And Memphis clearly has their sights on other goals, such as the conference championship game for a third consecutive year. So it's, yeah, it was Houston's also bit gone up on teams before, like they were beating Washington State before they lost in the second half. So it wasn't a surprise to see them go up, but then the 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 struggles from after the first quarter to the end of the game that was really also not surprising. So I mean, they had their two touchdown plays were they totaled like a hundred and. They had like 150 yards on those drives, and then after that, it was like 130, whatever that adds up to, 126. So it was it was just brutal. Yeah. Like I said, Mem- I mean, Memphis was able to 
Actually, I lied. Memphis stayed at the same spot in the college football playoff rankings. But like I said before, even with that, they took the lead. And that's because of Cincinnati last week against USF. I know neither one of us saw that coming. Uh, They've needed game-winning field goals to beat now USF and ECU in two of the past three weeks. What's going on with the Bearcats? I don't know. And the thing is, like, ECU has at least looked a little bit better the last few weeks, but USF has just not looked good. They just they're struggling, and I don't know. And then now, yeah, like I said, like you just said, that's they have they need Cincinnati needs a field goal to beat USF, and it's you know they're hanging on and. I don't know why all of a sudden it's such a struggle for them. I mean, Desmond Ritter threw for 76 yards. So I don't yeah. know what's going on there. That surprised me more than anything. I mean, mm-hmm. he looked lost. I mean, he had a couple of key throws when they needed him, especially at the end. But for the most part, I was just like, who is this guy? Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And granted, it's weird because... Two was it? I think it was two weeks ago they played ECU and they gave up forty three points. So it's like the defense took a holiday and the offense kind of like picked up the slack. And now it's two weeks later and it's the complete opposite. The defense or the defense is doing its job and the offense is struggling outside of Michael Warren. Yeah, thank thankfully they have him. But the first half they had forty six yards. I, I mean let's. Just, what else is there to say? I don't know. That's just terrible. They're and definitely is... limping to the finish. That's for sure. Yeah. And they can't I mean, that's the thing. They're that. not. They're not banged up. So that's why it's kind of you know it's kind of surprising. Like, I can understand if Ritter was hurt or Warren was hurt or even or Dokes was hurt. Like, nope. They're they're healthy from as far as I know. Right. It's just just surprising how to be frank, just how lousy they've been the past couple of weeks. I mean. Yeah, you get that huge win over UConn, but that that doesn't say a whole lot. So, you know, the two games outside of that, I mean, definitely some cause from concern. And, yeah, like I said. Temple coming up. That's what I mean. I mean, Temple hasn't been world beaters or anything like that lately, but they are solid. You know what you're going to get from Temple every week. Do we, though? I, I feel like this game between these two teams, I feel like you're – well, I guess we'll just talk about that in a little bit, but I almost feel like it's two of the, basically the same team going at each other. Well, sec- the second half of the season, Temple, is we know what we're getting from them. The first half of the season, Temple, is uh, just flip a coin. Touche. Zero arguments on that. All right, I guess let's move ahead. Let's move ahead to week number lucky 13. Man, we just got this week and next week, man. That's crazy. That's sad. And then we got, well, then we got a conference championship and then bowl season. Just, I mean, it, it's cool that it drags out, but like, we don't even know when the American was going to play. Mm-hmm. But let's get it started with a, I mean, we just talked about UCF. I totally forgot that they somehow still have a shot to get in, but they do. They take on Tulane this week at noon. 
It's on CBS Sports Network if you want to watch. And the Knights are a six-point favorite on the road. That doesn't surprise me, the number that the UCF were there. But uh, from what I saw from Tulane last week, I, I, I'm perfectly expecting to the Knights to cover that number, no problem. Because well, Tulane you... did nothing last week to impress me. I mean, when, when Justin McMillan is your leading rusher and did next to nothing as a passer as well, they've got some things to worry about. I was going to ask you, is, is Tulane... Maybe I'm not thinking about this, but is Tulane the most disappointing team in this conference this year, given their expectations? Mm, that's a good question. Like, who's more? Obviously, UConn's a disappointment, but we knew that. Like, we knew they were going to be bad. You could, well, I guess, you, USF. I was going to say be... you, no, because we knew USF was going to be kind of middle of the pack, and well, they're not even middle of the pack. Well, yes. they could. Honestly, if you're going to ask me the biggest disappointment, I think it's UCF. You think so? I mean, everybody picked them to win this conference again. And I don't think you and I, before we did this season, we probably saw two losses, not three. Tulane, we could have saw, you know, six and four, or what am I saying, six and six or a seven and five season, which is probably around where they're going to end up. But UCF, I think we automatically assume we're going to get to double digits. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of disappointments. UCF should have won the conference. They didn't. Tulane was a dark horse. Now they're going to be lucky to be 6-6. Six and six. Well, they're going to have six wins. But ECU should have been better, but they're 3-7. and seven. UConn's terrible. SMU, Navy, and Memphis are all su- not surprises, but just positives. Navy's a surprise. USF's a disappointment. Temple's solid. Cincinnati's good. And then Houston and Tulsa could be viewed as potential disappointments houston for sure tulsa had the one win but otherwise they've been a disappointment yeah uh, oh yeah houston i think is if you want to talk about disappointing moments of the season then you give it to houston i think for that decision to to redshirt all those guys because nobody saw that coming nobody in college football imagined that to happen it's never been done though that's the weird thing is that there's there hasn't been i mean maybe there's one or two guys that you've can think of that have decided hey things aren't going well i'm just gonna sit out and i don't know i think that's something that every kid that you know a new coach comes in and has a new system and they're not entirely ready especially those coaches that come in super late in the in the off season like why you're kind of putting your kids in a poor position but i don't know it's uh, you would think that Derek King and those guys would have enough time to get things figured out between spring ball and then when fall practice begins, but I don't know. Maybe they just needed more time, and that's something that a lot of kids need because it's a different system. And I don't know. It's uh, well, the yeah, schedule didn't help them out. Well, no, and that's the other. I think that's the other thing is people didn't realize like how how difficult this schedule was. I mean, yeah, you could make an argument that they could have won a few of those games and, you know, we're talking about a bowl eligible team, but I I don't know. It's yeah. Like you said, though, definitely a disappointing moment 
uh, definitely a disappointing season, that's for sure. Especially if you watched how, how you know how few fans were actually at the Memphis game. Yeah, that that was surprising considering their their preseason their hopes there. But we've talked about it numerous times where I mean we didn't even talk about it. Notre Dame, the first game they didn't sell out in I forget it was an absurd number of years, but it was this past weekend against Navy, a ranked team by the way. A ranked Navy team. It's not like they were like going in Notre Dame playing like a two and seven Navy team. They were playing a ranked Navy team. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, rough. Uh, yeah. But all right, let's bring it back to to this week though, and this this conversation will take all of uh, twenty five seconds. ECU. ECU is gonna win. Plays UConn. It's at noon. East ESPN three. If you really want to watch. ECU is a 14-point favorite. That's my only question for you, Joe. Yes or no? You like that? Yes. Same. You've watched what Holden Nealers has done in the last two weeks, that or three. He didn't play last week, but the last two games, I like where that number is at. Is he going to throw for 600 this week? (laughs) That'd be sweet. 610 touchdowns. That would be a way to throw UConn out of this conference. There you go. Yeah, send them off that way. That would be the perfect way to just be like, all right, you guys have fun in the Big East. Right, yeah, bumps. You, you know what is surprising, though, is that Kevin Mensa is almost at 1,000 yards rushing. Yeah, I, I almost feel bad for him. <laughs> like, I'm sure he yeah. just – I'm sure they just hand the ball off 35 times a game to him, and he just gets pounded all day long. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that, you know, leads to something if that, you know, if he – decides to go pro or whatever and that turns into something otherwise like think about his time at UConn just rough he spent yeah. four years at UConn and he won I don't even know what four games maybe no it'll be a little bit more than that but like six <laughs> five or six literally I'm gonna look it up because I want to know how many they've won in the last four years because they have won this year Right? They, or they, they have two this year. They have two this year? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they beat. Two. They had one last year. Jeez, they had one or two the year before. Oh, they have nine total. So two this year, one last year, three the year before, and the three the year before that. So he has nine wins. Wow. <laughs> four nine, years. You don't nine, even need the double-digit wins. Nine and 37 in the past four years. He's a loser. Man. All right, we've already talked about this game too much. <laughs> Move it on. on. Game that will have some implications in the AAC West, maybe. Also, they they both of these teams need some help. But nine and one SMU on the road at Navy at seven and two, three thirty start on CBS Sports Network. This surprised me a little bit. The mids are a three and a half point favorite. I mean, I can. I understand that you always get three points when you're at home, basically. That's what they say. But we've seen SMU put up points in bunches pretty much all season long. I mean, almost what we said last week with Notre Dame. Like, if SMU jumps out to a 14, 21 point lead, Navy does not have any way to come back in a game like that. Now, 
SMU's defense has been god-awful at times this year, too. So Malcolm Perry and Navy could just run all over them as well. Well, Navy is one of those teams, too. Well, that triple option is is an offense that SMU's defense typically won't succeed against. And they just, like... I feel like Navy's had their number. Yeah, and they just, like... I, I think they're they're better this year, but in terms of fundamentals, they're just... They're still not as good as they should be. So this is one a game where you really need to play fundamentally sound football, especially on defense. And if you don't, they're just going to torch you for 400 yards rushing. But I am surprised that it's three and a half in Navy's favor, given how explosive SMU's offense has been this year. And, you know, I don't know. The funny part is that even though Memphis has beat both SMU and Navy, if they if they lose, so say if they lose this week or next week, they'll have lost to two AAC East teams, and they're not going to make it in the – the division despite beating every single team in their division yeah that kind of sucks it does suck but that's just i mean that's just how, how it is it plays, but yeah i, and I that, don't know that is a it's a pretty terrible way to uh not make your third conference championship game by right, literally losing you lost two, the two powerhouses division. on the other side yeah yeah <laughs> what like what that doesn't seem fair like if you go if they go five they're gonna go five and oh and then they're gonna go one and two against the East. Like, what? Well, how is how does that make any sense? That seems weird. Well, the whole scenario I talked about earlier with Temple getting in is a little bit weird. So that's also true. College football is weird, man. That's also true. All right, so you mem- mentioned Memphis. They are on the road this week, taking on South Florida. I feel like. The Bulls have been home the past, like, four weeks. I feel like they're home every game. <laughs> well, it doesn't make any sense. That's uh, so a 4 p.m. start on ESPNU. Tigers are a 14.5-point favorite. That's it? That's it, yes. Wow. I don't know. I'll, to be fair, USF has kept a lot of these games close, especially in conference. Especially in conference. I mean, they've kept you know, a lot in their offense is it's terrible. It's hard to watch. Just it really is. But at the same time, it looks like maybe I mean maybe we're not giving USF's defense enough credit because they are keeping them in games when that I mean their offense is literally it, it's Jordan Cronkite and if he doesn't have a good game, they don't have an offense. McLeod's just constantly running for his life. Yeah, that's true. Let's see here. They giving up? I mean, they've only given up. More than 23 points three times this year. That's what I mean. Like, they, you know, they're they're holding their own. I mean, the record is nothing, four and six. So you're, and they're not going to make a bowl game. Well, that's it's the other a, thing I was thinking. I was I realized the other day, I was like, they're four and six. So, yeah, they have to play Memphis and UCF, but they can still make a bowl game. No, and not. I, you know, with how bad they've, you know, seemingly been. I think you and I thought, well, they're just done. And granted, we still think that, but the fact that they're not eliminated from bowl contention is kind of surprising. Well, that goes back to playing teams close. I mean, they got the wins that they needed to, especially in the East. You you beat ECU and you beat 
UConn. <laughs> it doesn't say much. <laughs> That's what I mean. And who are the other two wins? I don't have the schedule they, in front they of me. Beat, uh, well, they beat BYU, which is That's right. That's right, yes. And then they, they beat BYU. They whooped Cost up on South Carolina State. So That doesn't matter. That's whatever. So. Yeah. But, yeah, they're going to finish the season four and eight. Yeah, and well, and the thing is, there three of those games came by ten points or less. Mm-hmm. Two of them were by one was the four point loss to Georgia Tech in the second game of the season, and the other one was this past weekend when they lost by three. Yeah, yeah like just... I, they're holding their own on that. And like I said, though, it's just on. I feel like one side of the ball. Yeah, their offense is just. It's not. What the offense, it's not even the offense we saw last year. Mm-hmm. There's nothing close to the offense we saw a couple of years ago when you know, they were the ones that were consistently flirting with that New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, well, and this is a team that's, what are we going to see from the next year? I have no idea who's going to be good for them next year. Well, we don't even know who's going to be there next year because if there's a coaching change, you know how that goes too. That means transfer portal is going to get hot as well. Also true. So we'll see what happens with uh, Charlie Strong down here because, like I said, I think four and eight is inevitable. And then um, the higher ups down there in South Florida are going to have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the game of the week in the conference. And that is the one that we talked about earlier that is most likely could decide. Who represents the AAC East in that conference championship game? And it's Temple at 7-3 on the road against Cincy, who is 9-1. Primetime game on ESPN2. You can start at 7 o'clock. Bearcats are a 10.5-point favorite. And I'm telling you now, Temple will be in underdogs against the spread this week. Again. <laughs> Shocker. I, last week was the first time I've ever put him in there. Really? Yes. Usually, I don't like to put them in there because I, you know, I'm the guy that covers the team there. But um, if you're going to put Temple as a home underdog, you're an idiot, Vegas. They literally crush people every time they're a home underdog. They just do. The number is now 14 and four against the spread, with eight outright wins when they're a home underdog. Jeez. So they are just. That last week blew my mind. Now, when I saw this week one, after what I've seen from Cincinnati the past couple of weeks, they're letting ECU play with them and USF play with them, and you're going to tell me now that they're going to be Temple by 11? That ain't happening. Temple's a way better team than those two teams that they needed, like I said before, last-second field goal is to get these wins. Sometimes I want to sit in, and I don't know how these lines get determined, but I want to I want to sit in if there are people talking about it just to hear what they're saying. Because... Like the reasoning, yeah. Because we've talked just about every line we went through tonight. We're like, huh? Honestly, that from now on we should just like we should try to guess what the lines are. Well, say what the, we think the line should be, and see what Vegas thinks. Because I'm not think. It's, yeah, you're right. Ten and a half points is just kind of insane. Like I said, considering what we've seen, right? they need field goals to beat bad teams. And granted, I think, was the ECU game on the road as well? I believe it was. So, yeah, I mean, obviously things get a little bit different when you're at home, but just 
I don't know, man. I, I, like I said before, too, like these two teams, they remind me so much of each other because their philosophy really is ground and pound on offense, cause havoc on defense. They both mm-hmm. basically are the same thing. Neither yeah. one of their neither one of their quarterbacks is spectacular. You know, they're they're solid enough to get you wins. Obviously, I mean, Cincinnati's freaking nine and one. You can't crap on them too much. But <laughs> Ritter last week went nine of eighteen. Yeah, I mean that's just bad. Yeah, it's just, well, and if we're talking, you know, you look at which one of these teams is going to go to the conference championship game, and then uh, you know the argument can be made that if it's Cincinnati, they should be the team that's going to represent the group of five in the New Year's Six Bowl, but they don't have that same. You know, the last two years UCF had that magical feeling about the t- the team and the run that they were going on in the season they had and you just kind of feel like Cincinnati's good but they're also not like they're not doing anything to to make you really you know tune into their games whereas UCF was must watch television the last two years and me personally I don't know if you feel the same way but Cincinnati in New Year's Six game I'm a little worried Memphis at least we know it's like can score some points, so they might make it a, a game. But Cincinnati, would, you know, if they get in there, they're going to play a top ten team, and they better hope they can play defense against that that's, team. Th- that's what I mean. So I mean, some of these top ten teams that are there right now, they are offensive juggernauts. Like, could you imagine Cincinnati had to play Oklahoma? Yeah, that would be rough. That'd be bad. Or if they got to play Oregon, or you know, one of those teams that you know. Just moves the ball at will like that. It's that will not be pretty for Cincinnati. Cincinnati better hope that they get a team that's similar to them, say Penn State, Minnesota. Yeah, and even then, I don't. I'm not feeling too confident about them winning those games either. Right. Yeah. It's just. It's. I don't know. It's one of those things where it, they they can do it, but and if you even if you look at a team like Memphis. Memphis defense, it doesn't, you know, wow you in any way. They play some solid games, but they don't, they're not going to win Memphis any games anytime soon. But they have that offense that can go off at any time. And it's not just Brady White, it's, Ken, you know, Kenneth Gainwell, DeMonte Coxie, uh, Antonio Gibson, Joey Magnifico. Like they have guys that can hurt opposing defenses where. Cincinnati, it's like, well, let's hope Mike Warren gets going. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's literally what it is. You know, they don't really have the weapons on the outside to compete with those heavy hitters that will be in the top ten there. That's why for the conference, I don't know, you, maybe you're almost hoping that it's Memphis in that New Year's Six game. Oh, I probably, you know, Memphis or SMU. Well, yeah, if we're talking, well, SMU's got no shot to get there, though. Uh, well, if Memphis loses. Uh, well, Memphis ain't losing to USF. And Cincinnati, if they lose to Cincinnati and SMU wins out, then SMU's in. And could you imagine an SMU Temple Conference Championship? Yuck. It'd be awesome. Yeah, if Temple my two teams. they want to play decent offense for once. It'll be my two. T- well, yes, yeah, SMU probably smoke them again, which that'd be the thing that worries about me. But my two teams headed in the year, 
I'll take that for a conference championship game. I mean, it's going to be fun regardless of if it's Cincinnati, Temple, uh, Memphis, SMU, or Nave. I don't really care. Just let's get there. Just kidding. Take your time, college football. You're going uh, uh, way too fast. I was about to say. No, slow down. Yeah. I was watching this. I don't know if you were watching a little bit of that Eastern Michigan game earlier, but the one receiver had an absurd one-handed catch for a touchdown. No, I didn't watch. I just oh, love that there's football on Tuesday nights, though. Yeah, yeah, it, almost every day of the week now. It's great. Yeah, yeah that touchdown play you will be seeing on sports. It probably is number one on Sports Center tonight. Would not surprise me. Yeah, probably. All right, let's wrap it up with another doozy. <laughs> That's Houston and Tulsa, both at three and seven. Games at 7.30. You can watch it on ESPNU. The Golden Hurricane are a three-point home favorite. That shouldn't shock you because, like what I said before, I mean, these are these are two evenly matched teams. I wouldn't have said that entering the season, but at this stage, you know, Tulsa has shown that they can keep games close. We've talked about that numerous times this year. Houston has shown that they can blow games a lot this year. I'm honestly like, good. I like that you said two evenly matched teams because it's almost like you're complimenting them, even though both teams are just brutal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. What's tough about Tulsa is these two, actually, honestly, they're two evenly matched teams, but they're headed down different roads mm-hmm. because Houston was a team that was supposed to be better, and now they're they're struggling and heading down a different direction and Tulsa's team is they're better, but the record is not indicating that right now. Talked about it. What? I feel like every week we say this about Tulsa. It's just the the same thing. They, they compete, but they don't win. Then yeah, they pull then they, well, then they finally they pull off one of those wins. And they beat UCF of all of teams. All, yeah, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. of all teams, that's the team they you know. Yeah, otherwise we're talking about a two and eight Tulsa team, and then, like we said last week, if they don't beat UCF, we could be talking about Philip Montgomery on the way out. Yeah. Now that's still possible. I mean, I don't know what the the Tulsa um, athletic department how they feel about winning uh this is will be their second year in a row with three wins am i right uh yes they went they went two and ten and now last year they went three and nine yeah so okay there you go so they have eight wins in the past three years after a 10 win season before that yeah Uh, they have uh definitely taken a turn for the worse and while it seems like everybody else, you know, other than, well, UConn's out the door soon, but you know, they're the one team that's kind of like stayed the same while everybody else has made improvements, especially on the West. I mean, Tulane and SMU specifically. But Tulsa is just, it just seems like they're the same team. I think they do have a quarterback now, something they didn't have for a, for a couple of years. Yeah, that's true. But. And it might just be a product of being in the AAC West. I mean, but at some point you would think that, you know, Tulsa finds a way to at least be somewhat competitive. Mm-hmm. 
and that way the the West the West right now we got two teams in nine and one. So if Tulsa is beating up on a couple of these teams, we're not talking about that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, at least me, you know, like you almost want to see some havoc in the conference, but at the same time, you want there to be these nine and ones and eight and two teams and things like that. Like you want to see teams that are in that discussion for the New Year's Six and whatnot, but at the same time, you want to see more competitiveness from the teams in the conference. Yeah, I think we've reached the point where I I think I want some stability at this point because you know if Memphis starts losing the USF and Cincinnati and Navy wins and yeah I don't know if I uh I don't know I don't it seems like I'd rather have the favorites win out here instead of some chaos even though normally I'm all for things not going how I want it to go yeah I agree with that and I mean, this could be the week. There are some games this week that are potentially capable of doing so. If Navy beats SMU, you got you got some craziness going there. If uh, Temple beats Cincy, we got more craziness there. Uh-huh. So, well, it's certainly capable. And God forbid, you know, the Bulls, like I said before, I feel like maybe a one stunner could be coming. I don't think it's this week, though. Or next week. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But yeah, I guess that wraps up week 13. Got anything else you want to say, Joseph? No, man. I'm just, uh, yeah, it's just weird that we're already on week 13. And it feels like yesterday we were just on week four and we were complaining that a month had already gone by. And now we're 13 weeks in and it's just, it's almost over. Yeah. I mean, it's get, it's just getting started if we're being completely honest because conference championship games and playoff and bowl games and all that stuff but it just yeah it always goes by way too quick but it's fun while it lasts that's true all right i guess we will wrap up this episode of the underdog podcast please leave us a review on however you're listening to the show check out our buddies over doing the Conference USA and Sunbelt podcast as well. And until next time, thanks for listening to our Joe Talk.